everybody. Welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. As always, I'm Clark Coffey, and with me... Colin McFader. Colin McFader! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just wanted to see if you'd maybe, you know, we just try to there. mix it up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I promise. I didn't, for, I didn't forget your name, I swear. Um, <laughs> right? Colin, that's it. No. But hey, uh, welcome back, everybody. This is an exciting episode for us. This is episode 21, and it's the first episode of our new season, season two, where we have covered all the lessons in the masterclass, Herzog's masterclass, and now we're moving on to some new and exciting topics. And for this episode, we're going to be discussing uh, Herzog's film, Nomad, in the footsteps of Bruce Chatwin, which was released in 2019. Um, Colin and I have both, both watched this film and really enjoyed it. And we mm-hmm. think there's some really exciting things to cover in the film. So uh, if you've seen it, uh, I think this will be a, a, a fantastic discussion of a lot of the ideas that are in that film. And if you haven't seen the film, uh, I don't think that there's any reason you couldn't listen to this. It's not like there would be plot spoilers or yeah, anything yeah. like that. Um, so whether, you, if, whether you've seen it or not, I think this will be a good listen. If you've not seen it, hopefully we'll provide enough context that I think um, you'll still be able to get some value out of listening to this podcast. Of course, you're always welcome to go ahead and shut this off right now and go check out the film if you want and then come back to take a listen. But uh, yeah, we're excited to, to kind of move in this new direction for us with the podcast. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's, to put it quite frankly, it's definitely, I think we both agreed, Herzog's most personal film. Um, Absolutely. I really think so. I mean, at least in, at least in a certain way, I mean, you know, I I think, you know, Herzog is definitely a personal filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I think his films are, all of his films are very personal and they're made with very little, if any, compromise to his vision. I mean, you know, uh, he's one of the few filmmakers where I would, I, you could say, Every one of his films is is a is a just a, 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 a like clean distillation of his vision. Yeah, and absolutely. Isn't, you yeah. know, um, but yeah, I think in a certain way this is. I think we see Herzog at his sometimes at his most vulnerable and most emotional um, in some certain areas in this film, and we're going to discuss this clearly. You know, Bruce Chatwin was a, a really important person in Herzog's life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took him 30 years almost to make this film. Uh, you know, and a little bit about uh, a little bit of background on Bruce Chatwin. So I actually wasn't aware of who he was before I saw this film. Colin, I think you said you weren't either, I, right? I, I wasn't aware of bit. him. I knew his books. I've heard you of his knew books, of some but of didn't his really works. know who he was. Right. And so, you know, I, I think uh, his books are considered, you know, uh, at least a couple like landmarks, really important works. Um, but uh, I just had not crossed uh, them. But uh, yeah, so Bruce Chatwin, he, he actually died in 1989. So like mm-hmm. I said, it took about 30 years for Herzog to get around to making the film. He died of AIDS, unfortunately, was one of the first more prominent kind of known people to actually contract and then uh, succumb to that disease. But he was an English writer. Uh, He had studied archaeology, but left his studies and went to travel the world to be a writer. And uh, uh, Songlines was one of his major works, maybe his most significant, but he Mm -hmm. also had uh, an unpublished um, 
book called The Nomadic Alternative. I don't know if that's going to be published. They didn't really cover that in the film, but I guess it was recently found, right? Yeah, it's a manuscript they found in a, in a library. So was, hopefully they'll mm-hmm. publish that. And he, he's written many other works. I don't mean to say that, you know, but um, he'd only written those two, but many other works. He was friends with Herzog. They actually met uh, in the Australian outback uh, in 83. So they knew each other for six years. Mm-hmm. But it's very clear watching this film that they that they were really important to each other. And uh, I think Herzog uses their friendship and uses uh, some aspects of Bruce's life and works to to dive into a lot of topics that he he's covered many, many times that are clearly an obsession for him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, and they I get, clearly describe it, too, as that, like their their relationship really hit off. Um, not only because of their, you know, similar interests, but one of the key interests, which this movie is named after and which the movie definitely heavily revolves around is just mm-hmm. this idea of walking and, and how well traveling, travel. Yeah. Traveling. Let's by talk foot. about that. Let's yeah. talk about that. So I, this is interesting. So, cause I, you know, it's funny when I was taking notes, I wrote the same thing. I said, the note I, the note I made to myself was, okay, the world opens up to those who walk on foot. Mm-hmm. And and I just you know I put that in and I was listening to um, a, an outstanding Q and A discussion. I'm not really not really a Q and A because it was just kind of more of a discussion um, that Herzog uh, had made uh, had or had recorded and, and it's up on YouTube. I, I think maybe a, you know when the film first came out, so maybe a couple years ago or a year ago, and a couple hour discussion. But he made a specific point in that Q and A. To, to distinguish between walking and traveling. Yes. And yeah. and I think this is key. Like now that he's explained it, I understand. He said, look, you know, you know, walking is just getting from A to B. Traveling is something totally different. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, almost like the difference between like a house and a home. Ex- where it's like they I've, mean the same thing, but you know, a house is a building and a home is so much so, more. Home yeah. is so much more, right? Home is kind of where, where your heart is, kind of, yeah. And so, you know, traveling is more about a journey, right? It's more about really experiencing that journey as opposed to just getting to A to B. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so you're right. So right off the bat, you know, one of the, in Herzog, it, this is clearly a common narrative thread for him, whether it's in his books, in his films, in his Q&As, uh, that the world opens up to those who travel on foot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talked, just to tie it back into the, the lessons, the masterclass lessons that we just covered, you know, he mentions that very specifically. He's got a, uh, an exercise or, you know, a homework assignment in, in those lessons that used to say, you know, pick a direction and walk 100 miles. They've changed that because I think they're afraid people will get lost mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and then end up coming back to <laughs> liability problems. But definitely uh, important. And... Um, I mean, let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, I mean, so, I think Nicholas Shakespeare, who's Chatwin's biographer, who's someone right. that's prominently interviewed in this, describes right. to Werner, he says, um, you know, you were one of the only people that fundamentally understood what he meant by that. Yeah. Which is a really interesting moment because it kind of, you know, it proves that it's not, you know, as you said, it's not just, you know, walking and it's like, uh, you, can, you can meet a few people if you walk. It's, it's there's right. like an entire to them an entire lifestyle around right this traveling on foot and, and this whole like that's how herzog describes himself getting stories so often and things like that yeah absolutely and it's you know he even goes so far as to say you know it, it's um 
you know, it's it's not hiking, it's not traveling in that sense. You're not bringing everything on your back. You don't have, you know, mm-hmm. a, 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 a tent and a sleeping bag and, you know, a week's worth of food and on and on and on. He's like, you bring the bare necessities because the whole point, the whole point is that in the people that you meet on your journey, you're finding stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, absolutely. So, uh, so it's uh, this is something that they both shared. They were both passionate about it. It's in the title, uh, Nomad, someone who has no home but is always traveling. Um, so definitely an important idea yeah. in this film. And, uh, it, you know, and it's broken up into chapters and... Um, I, it pretty much just permeates the entire film. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's something that I, you know, it, one of the things I thought the film was was fantastic. Um, and I was really kind of spellbound by the, the film. And it was a great reminder to me uh, and kind of inspired me that I've got to get more of that going on in my life. Either like literally, you know, where I'm actually out, you know, walking and really trying to pick up on and meet p- stories and meeting people. But like figuratively too, though, just like being more present in my day-to-day mm-hmm. life and and being open to all those stories that exist out there everywhere. So it's, I think it's like something you can cut, you can do literally, but you can also do kind of figuratively maybe in other aspects of your life, right? I mean, we all, we all have to make a living and, you know, we have our obligations and responsibilities. Not all of us can kind of walk the earth, you know, or travel yeah, you the earth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially to do so where you are actually doing it at, for a living, you know, as Chapman right. was, where his, his career revolved around this this idea of meeting and understanding and you know getting in the heads really in a good way of these these different cultures and things like that and Um, in the in the in the film you know we were kind of focused on a handful of of geographic locations we're focused on england mm -hmm. um and uh we focus on patagonia in Mm -hmm. south america and we're focused on the australian outback so we've got kind of three pretty you know distinct locations uh that that chatwin was particularly fond of and where i guess herzog and him had uh interactions and stories to share about those locations and and patagonia Um, really is is the root of chatwin's curiosity because as a child he describes and this is pretty much where the movie opens is that he describes the fact that his grandmother had this thing she called it the brontosaurus skin she didn't understand what you know she said he says that she had two ideas of what two different prehistoric creatures were brontosaurus and mammoth and the mammoth lived in siberia so it had to be a brontosaurus <laughs> right it was like um, the only the only two prehistoric animals yeah, she had turns any, out like, that it was a, a sloth a giant, giant sloth, sloth skin but, but, um, right, but it, it inspired him yeah to such yeah. an extent as a child that he's like i'm going to go find the origin of this quote-unquote brontosaurus skin yeah and uh I, I mean i don't know do you have any any kind of parallels to that i i know for me when i was a little kid um, you know, there were a handful of like, for instance, I named my um, my production company after a book that I had first read when I was probably like eight. Mm-hmm. That so inspired me um, that it, it's like still with me. It seems like on a daily basis. Uh, do you have anything like that? What like what's your brontosaurus skin? Gee, I don't. I mean, I loved dinosaurs as a kid. We used to visit um, out in Alberta. There's um the Badlands, which is like Drumheller is this town in Alberta that's famous for its dinosaur museum. So we used to go out there. Um, I just always like I've, I grew up around a lot of nature, too, as I assume you did in Missouri. 
Um, yeah. So I, you know, they're even just as a kid, my schoolyard would have deer and turtles and things like that. You know, but was anything like a totem? Like it was. I mean, um, if you don't, if you don't have any, that's okay. I was just curious. I was just no, curious. I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there was any like specific item, specific or, thing. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, but but there were certainly ideas that that like permeated sure. through my life and kind of inspired. You know shaped yeah. me as a, as a person more locations for me and perhaps maybe that also is in relation to herzog as we'll get into well, later we're gonna get yeah um, well def, that that's obviously vital locations yeah. landscapes are, are very key and we'll get we're definitely going to cover some of that um uh but uh yeah so i guess just to continue so so bruce is mesmerized by this quote-unquote brontosaurus skin he goes to its origin um and uh, finds out that it's, you know, basically it's actually the, a piece of a giant sloth skin mm-hmm. that was found in a cave uh, on the southern tip of South America. Yeah, down but, in Chile, yeah. Yeah, but that kind of like spurred on his lifelong affinity for archaeology, anthropology, travel, and... Uh, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting It's story. also interesting, too, because clearly for other people, there's connections there, too, because he meets, Herzog meets this woman, this German woman who set, talks about how when she was a kid, she used mm-hmm. to ride her horse up and down the cave um, that the sloth skin was found in. And she was oh, saying, she you know, gets kicked to, out or something, yeah, right? They, 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 <laughs> the authorities, because they thought the cave was clapping, collapsing is like the clack of the feet. So yeah. they, they said, we'll take your horses away if you keep doing that. But no, there's so there's clearly this, um, and maybe this is related, maybe it's unintentional, but there's, because later in the film, you know, not too much later, but in a few scenes away, he they talk about how like there's this magnetism that might have um, brought our culture there and brought our species there to mm-hmm. settle in, in this place in England. So maybe there's this, maybe Herzog is alluding to the idea that there are certain places on earth that just for some reason magnetize people. Cause, yeah, just attract, yeah. Yeah, because there's all this, stories about you know these people and the sloth in this cave and in patagonia well there's something you know the interesting too i I think um you know herzog and and like a lot of these ideas are kind of they're sprinkled throughout the whole film so we may kind of jump back and forth just a little bit but you know one of the ideas that herzog is constantly kind of you know preaching i guess for lack of a better word is this idea that facts uh don't make truth Mm -hmm. that there is like a a greater uh, aesthetic ecstatic truth and that that's not about just an amalgam of facts and it's interesting to me that we start off this film right off the bat with what it is in essence a false story it's not a brontosaurus skin it's mm-hmm. not even close to a brontosaurus skin but the story of that the the truth was still a vital a vital thing to bruce it, it, it was absolutely the essence of truth for him in the sense that this is what kind of led him down his life's journey, his calling. So yes, it wasn't truly a brontosaurus skin, but it it I just find that kind of fascinating. Yeah. You know? No, totally. I mean, it's again, and, it, and that comes up multiple times in the movie too. Not not necessarily the brontosaurus skin, but the the idea of truth versus fact, which is of course something we covered you know, two yeah. or three episodes ago. And there's going to, yeah, and there's going to be a couple other kind of, I, I guess, places where this pops up in this film. And yeah. it's an interesting yeah. question to ask. Uh, I always ask this of all of the films that I watch of Herzog's is, what was manufactured here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did Herzog well, make up? I'm always trying to look for like the fake quote or, We've, we've talked about this several times too in, in our conversations about the movie, but that the, that Herzog is, so 
very much more on camera than he is in most of his movies. Um, yes. But at the same time, also very much, and this is something that he does in, in other documentaries as well, but very much leads the interviews and leaves those points in the edit. So he will, yeah. you know, intentionally plant an idea in someone's head when he's, when he'll ask someone a question and almost answer it for them to get them to answer a certain way. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're almost like you were coaching an actor. Um, and then, but that leaves that in, like he doesn't cut that out and make it appear as though that person was speaking on their own to the idea he he will you know finish the sentence almost with an, a, a like a hook yeah and, and it's true yeah. it's so it's and interesting I, and i think throughout the film i mean we see examples of you know it's we we talked about like right off the bat when we introduced the introduced the film that this is it seems to be a much more kind of intimate and personal film than maybe some of his others and you know clearly he's talking about somebody that meant a lot to him but yeah i mean in the in the way that the film is shot you know we see uh interviews are shot very simply one camera we don't have two cameras cutting back and forth we don't even have interviews often you know spliced with b-roll to kind of hide cuts um whenever he wants to show an item to the camera he simply picks it up and just you know literally talks to his camera operator you know let's focus in on this yeah, we don't have yeah. we don't have fancy polished insert shots things like this um and like you said too we we see a lot more of herzog he's actually on camera uh, especially when he's talking with the uh, with Chatwin's biographer, mm -hmm. we hear him interacting with the interview subjects quite a bit. And like you said, he's often leading them. He's asking very specific leading questions. He's you can kind of get a sense that he's trying to drag something specific out of them. Uh, and we'll come across a few and, and kind of highlight a few areas where it seems that it's significant in the film. But yeah, I mean, I think overall, all of those things together really add a sense of almost what did you say like homemadeness is that yeah, i the, said hand sort of it's feel handmade. like handmade or homemade yeah yeah, it, yeah. It, it it really like you said it doesn't have the polish of like a perfect you know and i i, I referenced this earlier but the the like you know you look at like a netflix documentary and it's so flashy and it's very right. very you know high caliber lots of sound effects insert shots of everything right. and, and special specialized imagery and stuff like that whereas quick, this quick is very cuts. yeah you know it feels very much like herzog sat down with someone to have a conversation and had a camera operator with him yeah and yeah. so like again you pointed out this but i want to emphasize at that, that moment when the man hands him a little statue and he's like mm -hmm. he he pretty much tells the guy to stop talking <laughs> for a second and is just yeah. like just hang on a second let me show this to the camera and it's yeah it's in there it's not like they just cut to the the shot and they could have i mean it, oh, and easily, they could have and, yeah. and most do right i mean i you know uh it, it's it's kind of and, and i often do too and this is kind of interesting i will usually remove a lot of the errs and ums and you know because i'll often shoot an, inter an interview with two cameras and i've got b-roll and so you know i really take some time to kind of cut that down to really um smooth that out and uh it's kind of nice i actually enjoy that herzog left that in here it does it, it gives you a real sense of intimacy it's very personal and uh, you feel like you're kind of there more. Um, and it gives you a sense that you're actually in the room and this is really happening. And uh, that definitely stood out to me too. And I feel mm -hmm. certainly appropriate for the subject matter. I think it would have been, I, it was a nice distinction. And, you know, and he starts right off the bat, Herzog does, by saying this is going to be a different kind of biography. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. That it's not going to be some chronological, you know, your average normal biopic. And I'm so glad that it's not because... 
for me personally, at least for, for me personally, I'm kind of tired of the regular old fashioned, you know, chronological biography. And, and yeah, it just it doesn't a, give you anything really other than it does, what a Wikipedia it, page it would. doesn't. It doesn't. I really have to say that I left this film. So I, again, I had no idea who Bruce Chatwin was before I sat down to watch this film. By the end of this film, I feel like I got a sense of his soul, of what propelled him deeply. And I was really interested to go grab one of his books and sit down and start to read yeah, it and learn absolutely. more. And, and I, you know, just to kind of to, to compare, I, you know, uh, I think like it was the day after I saw this film, I watched there's a, a John Belushi uh, documentary that I think was on Showtime. I think it's produced by Showtime as well, if I'm not mistaken. And it's it's strange because, you know, I didn't know who Bruce was before this. But I definitely, of course, knew who John Belushi was mm -hmm. before I watched that film. And not only did I know who he was, but I, I, I'm like the perfect audience for this film. I, I'm a fan. I'm intrigued. I think this is interesting. I want to know more. Like I'm primed, you know, I'm primed. And the film was just kind of like this paint by numbers, you know, here's his life and chronology. And it's kind of, you know, he's like unknown and now he's famous and now he's dead. And uh, I just, you know, I didn't leave that film feeling like I really and truly had a deeper sense of this man's soul. Mm -hmm. And so I was really appreciative that Herzog uh, did it this way. So, yeah. No, it totally, and, exactly. Is it, it, it totally is um, just like you said, it's, it's within this. And perhaps it is because it's such a personal film for Herzog, whereas, you know, the people that were making the John Belushi biopic probably didn't know john belushi who knows yeah, um, yeah you know so there's there's that element too that could just be that it because it was so intertwined with herzog's life and, and herzog's feelings and emotion um right. but you know th there's this entire overarching narrative of this movie about the human condition and about how traveling on foot is what has Absolutely. defined our species great leaps forward and yeah. what's interesting is that i almost find that that's what makes this documentary so unique is that it's not Again, like you said, it's not just a biopic that's paint by numbers. You know, okay, he grew up in Minnesota and then went to <laughs> school in, you know, Memphis and then blah, blah, blah. Right. Like it's it's about, it's, uh, it's more about Bruce's interests than it is about Bruce himself. But you learn so much about Bruce through those interests and well, stuff I would like that. Well, I mean, yeah. I would make an argument. I would make an argument. Hang in there with me for a second. I'd make an argument that this is actually... One could make an argument, let's say that, that this is actually more about Herzog than it is Bruce mm -hmm. and that and that Herzog is actually using Bruce. And I mean, no disrespect. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's not like Herzog is being an egotistical person and he's like using Bruce's life to, you know, to tell us more about himself. I don't mean that at all. Mm -hmm. I mean that that Bruce is kind of a mirror to Herzog or a, you know, a way for Herzog to kind of see and express himself in this film, if that makes sense. Um, so not from any kind of place of ego or disrespect to Chatwin, but that, I mean, I think we're really learning a tremendous amount about Herzog as well. Yes. Um, but, but I would agree with you. I mean, I think we're, you know, this film is about what it means to be human. And I think um, that's exactly what these two men in their work were trying to uncover and trying to understand. And that's why they, you know, traveling on foot was so important. We're going to talk in a second about landscapes of the soul, how landscapes are so vital, how Herzog mm -hmm. uses them to try to find new ways into understanding 
what it means to be human, well, why it's, we're it's, here and what we're doing. You know? What's also funny about it is that Herzog, you kind of realize that Herzog coined a lot of his like phrases and interests from <laughs> Bruce. So there's this line where Bruce mentioned, yeah. or where Herzog mentions that, that Bruce described um, a character in one of his very early movies as deranged and as demented. And that is well, something the that I... It was yeah, the it was landscape, the la- Yeah, right? the landscape, so but let's... that this, this had an effect of derangement on the, the, this character. Right. Um, and he, and he, but I just think that's so interesting because like deranged, demented, this, the, those descriptors are something that comes up so much in Herzog's work in, in his, you know, not only in his masterclass, but in, you know, his documentary about Antarctica and encounters in the world. He describes the penguins as deranged and stuff like that. And so it's such a, like thing that permeates all of his work and yet you know you kind of realize that the origin of that was bruce chatwin's description of yeah. his his first you know arguably his first major movie right which is i'm blanking on the title of it <laughs> <laughs> the which uh, is signs of life signs of life signs of life S- I, signs some of life thinking, 1968 sorry i wasn't trying to put you on the spot no, 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 I, was just I, like, I was i was i was, I was avoiding it the to... whole time because i was it's one of those things where you're trying to like you're describing okay. it i know there's the movie, so many but, things yeah. don't worry about it there's so many things to cover here uh in this <laughs> that it's easy to do yeah. uh but no i wasn't trying to put you on the spot but just to give some context right so 1968 uh herzog's i think arguably his first you know significant film yeah, uh, yeah. that had an audience significant feature he did have numerous shorts before that but i think he considers this to be his first major film and you know let's just jump in i think this is a good segue let's talk about landscapes here yeah so in that film um and herzog is very self-referential in this film and this is why i kind of say i feel like this is at least as much about herzog as it is about chatwin you know herzog mentions i think five or six of his own films in this film and uses those films as a way to kind of highlight or explain or illuminate their relationship you know landscapes uh, are are obviously an obsession with Herzog. He's talked about this through, you know, ever since ever since this film in 1968, where the core kernel of that film was this um, this large expanse, this huge field that was filled with 10,000 windmills, and Herzog came upon this landscape and was just like. Uh, it sounds like from, you know, kind of, I won't use, I don't think I'll use the exact words he uses, but it sounds like he was just overwhelmed with aesthetic awe um, mm-hmm. at at this site, this landscape. And that he, and, and it was so overwhelming to him or so inspiring to him that it became like the, the reason for yeah. the entire film. Yeah. He basically wrote the film in order to express and share this landscape and built a story around it. And it's... He mentions that in this documentary, and of course, this documentary, you know, they talk um, at great length about how Chatwin was always searching for, you know, these these wild characters and strange dreamers and, you know, these, these strange landscapes that try to illuminate the nature of human existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many really beautiful landscapes here. And I notice, you know, it, at least to me, a lot of these landscapes that he and he holds on them for, you know, much longer than most films would hold on uh, yeah. a shot. Yeah, yeah. And I and uh, to the point where I feel like 
their meaning almost changes as he holds for, you know, second after second after second. And, you know, sometimes maybe 15, 30 seconds, he's holding on something and, you know, maybe we're, we're cutting in a bit or maybe it's static. But as he narrates his film, it's almost like he's, I can feel like the meaning change from here's just a pretty landscape to like, here's a, there's a strangeness that starts to come through the, the the screen to me and and I know you know he's Herzog is always talking about seeking the strange in the landscape as opposed to the beautiful in the landscape which yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of filmmakers a lot of cinematographers are are kind of you know uh, I think more compelled or drawn to trying to trying to express the beauty of a landscape as opposed to the strangeness and it's one of the things I think that really separates Herzog from some of these other filmmakers mm-hmm. but um but yeah, it's a constant theme and it's really kind of mesmerizing to me. I think, you know, Herzog talks about landscapes of the soul. And I think, you know, of course, these are all just my interpretations. I'm certainly not Herzog. And as I always say, probably in every podcast, I'd never try to put words in his mouth. But, you know, I think he really sees landscape as a connection through time to yeah. our ancestors and sees them as ways of trying of communicating through time and space and trying to understand who we are. And he describes it through this one of the points in, in which he describes it is this vista of like there's cave paintings and it looks over this beautiful vista of this valley yeah. and this waterfall. And yeah. his point is essentially like, you know, standing here, I'm looking at the exact same thing that right. the people who painted these cave walls did and it relates directly to when they get to australia and they start talking to the aboriginal australians um and, right he says is there you know, still an echo of yeah, their and, voices and within this landscape can exactly. we still hear them and and does it connect us absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely um, and, that, and that goes right with the song lines which is this idea that landscapes are literally used in conjunction with with song mm-hmm. to both tell distance um and there's the anecdote about when they were in the car and how the car would speed up and they'd start singing faster because they had to account for the distance they were traveling while singing this song um but this is something that in you know they all discuss this idea of like it's like the chicken and the egg like it wasn't that our ancestors created these songs off of the landscape it's that the landscape created the songs at the creation of the landscape well, let's take and a step. Really... Let's take a couple steps back. Let's yeah. just, let's talk about that just a little bit. So, uh, I apologize if it seems like we're kind of all over the place, but uh, but we're you know I think this film is kind of all over the yeah, place. Yeah, the themes and, really and permeate every the element themes, of the. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. So you know one of uh, Chatwin's kind of, you know major contributions as a writer, he wrote a book called Songlines and. Songlines, uh, this is his based on his work with Central Australian Aboriginal tribes and mm-hmm. this idea that they have, and boy, forgive me if I don't, obviously I'm going to understand this like a, a person who is very clearly not an Aboriginal Australian and my understanding of it is extremely limited. But from what I gathered from the film, it's this way of uh, that, that they developed songs in a time before any other navigational tools to help them remember uh, like mnemonics, like how to get through this barren, desolate uh, desert of a central Australia, mm-hmm. the outback. <clears throat> and, and I guess it's also very integrated, very significantly and holistically into their kind of creation mythology or the, yeah. you know, the mythology that of the, just, yeah, their mythology period. And, um, 
And so Bruce was, I think, one of the first people to ever uh, come to an understanding of this and write about it, if I'm not mistaken, and at least uh, the, where the works became popular. And so that's what you're referring to when you're talking about the, the traveling in the car and they had to start to sing faster if they sped up or go slower because that's how it was drawn to the landscape. It was, yeah. it was tied so integrally to the landscape. Um, and it's an extraordinary, you know, f- I think for, for all of us who've, who've not ever thought of song in that way, it's extraordinarily beautiful, you know, and, and Bruce felt like it was a way to kind of understand the beginnings of language, beginnings of poetry, um, and kind of try to get to a very, like, uh, you know, to almost like the, the beginnings of that, the big bang of that, if you will, for humanity. Yeah, exactly. Where those yeah. things, where language and poetry and art first started to originate within human, you know, humankind. Um, and it really is interesting. And the relationship um, it, between these cultures, too. Um, one of the points they also make um, is about how, you know, we as a species literally walked as far as we possibly could. We went from the, you know, the yeah. Central Africa to mm-hmm. this southern tip of uh, South America, which is technically the furthest possible place from <sighs> the starting point. In it. And, <laughs> right. And they, yeah. But it's all, you know, again, it, it all comes back to this idea of, like, not necessarily creation in in a literally religious sense, but creation in terms of just like the creation of our culture, the creation of our yeah. Um, I mean, and again, it's it's I I know we kind of use the word human condition a lot, and Herzog does as well. But it, it's it's very quite literally, you know, that's what this is about is is what makes us human. What what are the yeah. elements that connect all of these cultures from all over the world? Um. And I just, I, I don't know, there's something really fascinating and intriguing about um, just the work that now, mind you, there are people who, um, and some of these cultures who who kind of don't like or, or see it almost as a bastardization of their culture mm-hmm. um, to reveal these secrets that, right. you know, um, are so well, and there, there indebted is, to them. They, yeah. They, yeah, they do, they do kind of cover that a bit where, yeah. you know, um, where Herzog does interview um, some, uh, I think a, a specific, uh, Aboriginal scholar and kind of asks, and he, he does kind of try to lead him, but mm-hmm. does ask, you know, it, um, but it was about a different book. It actually yeah, was not, not about, book, yeah. not one of Chatwin's books, but a different book. Um, Mind you, this song. book that Chatwin really loved. Um, Correct. This yeah. book was an inspiration to Chetwin, and the book was called Songs of Central Australia, and it was a, bo- a book that translated the song lines, the Aboriginal song lines, and put them in kind of, um, uh, obviously they're translated, so they had to be kind of manipulated as far as, mm-hmm. you know, their their meter and everything. So they weren't literally the same songs, but they were an attempt to translate them so that a, um, someone who was not an Aboriginal could uh, speak or, or could understand, sorry, could understand them in some way. And there was some kind of, you know, this was supposed to be a sacred knowledge that this was not supposed to, you know, for the uninitiated, this would, this was not appropriate for this to be known to other people. And there definitely does seem like there there is a contingency of people who think that that's inappropriate. Um, it is kind of funny to, to note, like we had talked about previously, Herzog definitely tries to lead this man, uh, Sean uh, Angels Panange, I think is his name. Uh, it tries to kind of lead him in this interview to say, you know, uh, 
you know, this book's not for me, right? And the guy's like, and Sean's like, no, it's not for me. And Herzog says, it's, it's, you know, should this book be locked away? Should, yeah, it, should it be, be burned? Should it be burned? And the guy, that's just funny. The guy sort of goes like, well, I mean, sm- I don't think, you know, I just. He's like, hey, not that far, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of almost see it. You know, he kind of smiles. You can see him kind of smile. But it's, it is an example of what, where we talked about previously, where Herzog is clearly trying to kind of lead. Yeah. Herzog's, lead him in this yeah, interview. Got appointed. And, yeah. And maybe this is what Herzog thinks. You know, I'm not I'm not sure, but it could very well be that Herzog thinks that it this book should be burned or should be banned Mm -hmm. or should not have been written. I don't know. Um, But he's clearly kind of pushing in that direction. But um, I think it so interestingly ties into, you know, this idea of landscapes. Mm -hmm. And, And it's, you know, if it's almost as if Herzog's films are his song lines. Yes. And yeah. And I, I just find that extremely fascinating that you have this 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 nomadic ancient human uh, culture um, where they're, they're traversing both a figurative and a literal landscape and creating culture to move them through that and to help them understand it. And that is exactly what we do with all of our art. And it's it's so clearly what Herzog is doing with his films as he travels the world and films in all of these locations he is searching for using you know these are his song lines his films are his song lines it's it's his navigating through his life it's really beautiful that we have these to look at and of course they they're not just his life it is this you know this um combined you know consciousness that that we all share as humans it's just fascinating to me so it's it's so obvious and clear that they would be good friends but it's just it's so beautiful this idea of song lines i can't wait to uh to read some more about it maybe i won't start off with the sacred knowledge book maybe i'll start off with chatwins but mm-hmm. yeah you'd have <laughs> to I'm, travel but, a little bit far for that but travel uh, by yeah foot. <laughs> yeah so i'm really uh, so i i i find it to be quite fascinating mm-hmm. and i think their friendship was very fascinating and i think it 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 tells us a little bit more about Herzog as well as a filmmaker. Um, you know, it's, uh, we've talked about the basis of their friendship was this idea of, you know, traveling on foot, that landscapes are important, you know, prisms through which we can see different aspects of our, uh, of our own condition. I, and I, I think both of them were fascinated with this idea that it's about the strangeness of something, right? It's, yeah. you know, we're not, and this is such a huge difference. We're not talking about, you know, in the same way that there's, you know, traveling and tourism are not the same thing, right? Those are radically different things. It's, you know, Herzog talks about how tourism is, is such a profound sin. Yes. Traveling yeah, is yeah. not, it, the same as like, you know, taking a landscape photo to try to make it look beautiful as opposed to, photographing a landscape um and 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 finding the surreal finding the strangeness finding it they couldn't be more different and um well maybe let's 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 take a look at two at at the idea to here that where um and i think this again is something that carries on through the whole movie and and it's near the the end of the movie where Mm herzog really puts into words but i think it applies Mm. the whole movie where but this movie is very much, and just like you described before, very much, in my opinion, in your opinion, as much about Herzog as it is about Chatwin. And there's a point where Herzog literally says, you know, I am not the protagonist, which I find so uh, right. interesting. Yes. Um, because. Because he be- is. Because he, well, A, he is. 
But this movie also, and I want I, the reason I want to bring this up now before the the end is just because I want to talk about how it really does affect the whole movie. Where we, I think, came to sort of an understanding that this movie may be almost like a poetic understand or a poetic reflection on Herzog's mm-hmm. own mortality. Yeah. Um, and I just think that so. There's a quote that you mentioned and you reminded me of of a friend of ours um, who knows Herzog, um, and she once said to him. When you stop making films, you'll be dead. And described that his reaction to that was very much one of not necessarily fear, um, but he was taken aback by it. And I I like that that there's this idea of, you know, we all, of course, understand to a degree mortality. Yeah. Um, But there's something about this film that really makes it seem like it really reminds me of just a twilight moment of someone's life. And... On using Bruce's the end of Bruce's life and um, you know using that almost as a as a, a, a canvas to relate to a life well lived like Herzog's yeah. um, that wasn't cut short um, and so throughout this entire movie there's so many moments where and and per, it almost to me almost answers the question of why Herzog is so leading with his questions and why he leaves that in so much of him asking a question and then pointing it into a direction. And it's almost because to me, um, Herzog's making a point. He's not necessarily asking a question. He's making a point and then almost um, not necessarily seeking approval from the subjects of the interview, but almost getting Mm -hmm. their impressions on the point that Herzog's making, Mm. um, which I find really interesting. And even just when he's interviewing Chatwin's wife, um, the questions are so personal and so like they're not just he's not just you know how'd you meet Chatwin how you know right. and no, when did you fall that. in love no it's none very much yep. them the cameras couldn't you know the cameras could not be there and I feel like they'd have the identical conversation about what Chatwin meant to them yeah and who they are and how they you know came out better people because of knowing Chatwin yeah. um and so there's this whole element where where Herzog is very closed off and Herzog is very but there's also this super vulnerable you know there's really vulnerable moments of this movie that he's in there Um, really is there really are I just think that's it's such a and again the reason that you know there's a way that we could have done this this whole overview of the movie chronologically but it's difficult to do and it almost doesn't do the movie justice because it's almost a movie that you have to watch twice because it's not really a chronological movie if that makes sense no, it's not. It's a movie filled with ideas. And so right. if it seems like, you know, as we've mentioned, if it seems like we're kind of going all over the place <laughs> where it's like, oh, here's this happens at the end and this happens at the beginning. This It's because the movie's ideas really yeah. do kind of have this ebb and a flow to them where it's like, you know, there's things that Herzog say at the be- the end of the film that completely apply to the beginning of the film. And it's just a right. really interesting movie because of that, where it's like, absolutely, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it's totally great. Intriguing. Yeah. And I, you know, so a couple of things like, yeah. And so every time you mention something, it makes me think of something else. I'm like, I'm scared that I won't be able to fit in everything that I had kind of thought <laughs> yeah, as yeah, I was yeah. watching this film. And I, yeah. and I did watch it a couple of times, but you talk about it, you know, being so, uh, so personal. And, um, you know, there's this really beautiful chapter It's in the film. It's chapter six, Chetwin's rucksack. And basically uh, the gist is, is that Chetwin had a leather rucksack that he carried around with him everywhere. And according to Herzog, he had walked, you know, for thousands of miles or kilometers, mm-hmm. at least, sorry, uh, with uh, with this rucksack. And Herzog was was visiting with Chetwin when he was uh, at the tail end of his life, really sick and suffering from AIDS. And um, 
and Herzog was talking to him and he had talked about how they should, you know, um, I, what was it? Refresh my memory. It was like they were talking about maybe going on a, a journey or something. And yeah, and I don't remember Chat, the specifics Chatwin, of it, but Chatwin says Chatwin yeah, looks down at weak. his legs. He looks down at his legs, and they're like wasted away. And and Chatwin says, you know, I um oh that's what Chatwin he was Chatwin was kind of he was kind of going in and out of consciousness, and and he would kind of wake up from his you know from a lapse of consciousness and be like I must be on the road. I must be on the road. I've mm-hmm. got to be on the road again. And then Herzog is like, well, we can go. And Chatwin looks down at his legs and they're wasted away. And he looks at his rucksack and is like, I can't carry this. It's it's too heavy. And Herzog says, I will carry it for you. I am strong enough. I will carry it for you. And it you definitely see a vulnerability and an emotionality in Herzog there that is just yeah, you just he's don't on see. the verge of which tears. is not to say which is not to say that that Herzog is some cold you know sterile person he's not it, I mean, matter of fact interestingly he's quite you know quite, quite this interesting contradiction and mm-hmm. Bruce even defines him thusly and it's interesting but Bruce as describes Herzog as yeah. a compendium of contradictions he's tough yet vulnerable affectionate but remote austere and sensual, not well adjusted for the strains of everyday life, but functioning efficiently in extreme conditions. And uh, it's such a a wonderful and apt uh, uh, description. Of course, I don't know Herzog at all. I certainly don't know him like Bruce did. But from what I see in his works and and, um, read from him and his speaking and writings, uh, I definitely get this sense, and you know, so it's not that 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 Herzog is as uh, cold in his other films or anything. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that at all, but it's a it's a certain type. I think just a, a different type of emotionality that you don't see from him in most other films. But it was it was definitely uh, touching and uh, definitely impacted me as a viewer. But you really can see how close they were. Yeah, and then but but then that ties right in so we go right from there and you talk you know Her- <laughs> Herzog is you know it, like like I said ostensibly this film is about Bruce but there's so much in here about Herzog you know he mentions uh you know so many of his films he goes back to discuss signs of life cobra verde uh Wodaba, uh scream of stone where the green ants dream he brings up all these films in this film and specifically here with this rucksack and chat when he talks about Scream of Stone, where uh, he does take Chetwin's rucksack with him on this yeah. journey, on this adventure to to make to shoot this film, and um, I guess in in this documentary he's meeting with a guide. He's talking to one of the guides there that was with at them the loca- on yeah that was with them that was at the right, and they're back at the location of where they shot some of uh, Scream of Stone. And it's so funny that because the this guide, the person who's there on camera with Herzog, now again, this is one of those moments where Herzog is actually on camera with him, which is kind of rare. So we've got this two shot of both of them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and the the guy, the other guy there is the the uh, the guide is kind of talking more about Herzog, and Herzog's like, no, I'm not the protagonist. This, yeah. I'm not yeah. the protagonist of this film, and and he he kind of says it a couple times. I think, it, and this is hysterical, and this is what this is what we're talking about when when we talk about Herzog being a compendium of contradiction because. Right as he says, I'm not the protagonist, he then goes on to tell this amazing story about how he was, when they were shooting 
Scream of Stone, he was stuck in a snowstorm for like 40 or 50 hours on the side of a mountain and had nothing but a piece of chocolate and this rucksack to sit on and how mm-hmm. they almost died and had to be, you know, hellevacked out of there at like, you know, after like a two plus day storm. And and I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, you're not the protagonist. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm, what's so funny is that it, it, it it's again <laughs> so apt and and so die, like it's such a it's such a raw form of what Herzog is. <laughs> and, it's, and I mean, it's, I, I don't mean this in any no, it's, it's way. great. I mean, like I, that's what I and, I one of my favorite yeah, things about it. And um, it's and this and this is like you can't manufacture this. Okay, I feel like I feel like if this were in many other filmmakers' hands to to state that a film is about somebody else, but then to go on to mention half a dozen of your own films to tell so many stories of your own life, I feel like. And many other people's hands that that would really not come off well, right? No, no. It's like Cullen. Let's talk about you, and then for the next hour and a half, I do nothing but talk about me. And eh, that wouldn't probably come off looking so great, but it does here. I mean, I I don't ever get a sense of ego. I don't ever get a sense that 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 Herzog is trying to like you know put himself o- over above Chatwin or no, kind of take no. take up the limelight or anything like that I really do get a genuine sense that that these are things that are just so deeply shared by the two of them um what, what's that, funny too is that it, it makes sense yeah and we we hadn't neither of us had seen this before um and we chose this Correct, yeah. essentially on a whim just to say let's do something of his recently right and but what this wound up being was honestly, if anything, the perfect companion piece to his masterclass because it's, it's such yeah. a stripped down form of like every single Herzogism. I like really every feel like little, it is. Yeah. Little, little, you know, um, tiny thing that Herzog is known for well, is I mean, yeah, in this. Like, and it's, it's very, very interesting. He talks about the importance of the real on screen and like the physicality of filmmaking. That's yeah, in this documentary. Yeah. He talks the, about when that. When he describes it, when you he's know, talking about the, the guy climbing and it's like, there, you know that there's no safety net on him. You know that there's no... And it makes such a difference. Yeah. And it's and yeah. it's so true. We talk about... And how Bruce was, even himself said that he, he one of his favorite things that Herzog did was pull the, mount, or pull the boat over the mountain in Fitzcarraldo. Right, Fitzcarraldo. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Because it was real. You can trust your eyes. It's a real image. You know, at truth versus facts, you know, that that just because it's true or just, sorry, just because it's facts doesn't mean that it's true. We're filmmakers. We're not journalists. Yeah. I mean, that's in here. There's a fun story of and this is kind of, a, I think, a, a tiny little example of that. Um, in the outback, apparently, there one of the locations where Her- Herzog did some shooting. There is this old Hollywood prop, this huge spaceship yeah. prop. Yeah. And Herzog and Herzog in his narration talks about, you know, here lies the remains of a Hollywood intergalactic spacecraft. You should probably be doing this with your accent, but <laughs> he says, but he he talks about how it's from Star Wars. And it's it's not from Star Wars. It's definitely not from Star yeah. Wars. Star Wars. It's actually from a film called Pitch Black. And, um, but I, and I don't think that Herzog's stupid. I, my guess actually is that he knew that it wasn't from Star Wars, but in this case, and admittedly, this is tiny, admittedly tiny, but I think it still illustrates the point that, uh, so what? Not everybody knows Pitch Black. I, most people probably don't know Pitch Black. It's nowhere near on the scale of Star Wars, but everybody knows Star Wars. So the essence of what he's saying is is true completely true even if this you know insignificant trivial fact this accounting fact isn't accurate who cares um but it's just another example 
Um, but absolutely, I and you know, I think the, I, I found the film to be fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think what there's just so many interesting things in this um, in this film. But I was just really, you know, just and I, I there was, oh there was something else, you know, because we had talked about Herzog really looking for the strange, and it made me think of. Um, and he also talks about these, you know, these demented, deranged uh, landscapes, right? The he uses deranged so often and demented, whether it's, you know, in the film, he's he's got these macro shots of the lizard skin that looks alien and covered in ants. Yeah, covered in ants. And it's surreal and it's odd. And, you know, Herzog's talking about his obsession with these creatures. And, you know, he talks about not wanting to shoot a landscape for its beauty, but for its surrealness, its strangeness, its demented nature. And it made me think of, and, and I'll admit there was a degree of separation because I'm just not that literate. But, you know, I was a fan of The Doors when I was a kid. I'm still a fan of The Doors. Mm -hmm. And although there are a lot of issues now, especially in hindsight with Jim Morrison, but, you know, he I, he was somebody's music and lyrics that I listened to a lot when I was a kid. And I think at some point, you know, Jim kind of had this, this, you know, this idea that he kind of would talk about with, you know, journalists and whatnot, where he believed in a, you know, he was basically quoting Arthur Rimbaud and this, you know, that a, a poet makes himself a visionary through a long, boundless and systemized disorganization or derangement, depending on the translation of all the senses. And I remember kind of hearing that, uh, you know, J hearing Jim Morrison uh, repeat that quote. Mm -hmm. And it made, and I finally kind of made this connection. I'm like, you know, it's kind of what I feel like Herzog is doing here. It's like yeah. we've all, and but without drugs, he's doing it through landscapes. He's doing it, you know, through through these these this new imagery, this this strange and surreal imagery. And it made me. It just kind of. Almost, I just had this thought of like, I think Herzog's an alien. No, it's like you know, he's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he describes what's interesting too is he describes. Um, uh, lessons in darkness he like the, the point of that movie was was he said what if an alien science came fiction. down and saw this landscape and that would yeah. be what it was like and um and we've Absolutely. you know this this movie actually ties in with lessons of darkness which actually might make sense because it was so close to the time when bruce died that he made that yeah. um but the you know in lessons of darkness was that famous shot where it's going forward forward and then yeah. it goes down uh, and then it's yep. suddenly everything's upside down upside down and it's it feels again like this like this bizarre landscape and like you mentioned earlier this this distinction between so many cinematographers and so many directors finding the beauty in landscape and, mm -hmm. and pointing that out, whereas Herzog seems to always be attracted to and almost thrive off the bizarreness and the demented derangement of, of nature and man and the relationship between man and the land. And yes, yeah, this, yeah, this really it reminds me. And there's a, and there are definitely uh, allusions to lessons of darkness. I think there's that, that shot um, at, uh, is it, is it um, Cooper, uh, petty this town mm -hmm. and and the outback where and, and where there's this image um of this landscape we're moving through this landscape and there's all these weird mounds and little hole well i don't little but holes 
just just the entire landscape as far as yeah. you can see is is peppered with these strange what appears to be like dirt mounds they and look like I, termite mounds almost I, yeah that's what I, th- I think almost, we both thought that initially except there's yeah. big holes next to them and yeah. i'm like is this is this is this animals is this insects is this humans what is this and i actually had to go look it up but it was totally disorienting to me cuz i had no idea but they're actually opal mines mm-hmm outside this town i guess like a very large percentage of the world's opals comes from this location specifically but i was just but it completely made me think of lessons of darkness yeah and and i i I think and it's like i don't know why i've never had this thought before but i almost wonder it's like i say herzog's an alien but you know colin you and i talked about this you've had these experiences i think this is like every person alive has had this experience right it's just a fundamental part of the human condition where you're just like going through life and normally, nine out of ten times, it's like you're just you just accept everything as it is, right? This is my bed. This is my couch. This mm-hmm. is my car. These are other people walking down the street. There's the sky. Blah blah blah. You don't think anything about it. You're in your own head. You're worried about the bills you got to pay or whatever deadlines coming up. But once in a while, you kind of you just something hits you like a Mack truck, and everything seems alien. Yeah everything it's like you've somehow gone to another place and you're like what what are these people talking about what are these people doing what is this face what is this hill what is this sky what is this you're like looking at your own hands whose are these where you just have these like almost like these epiphanies of surrealness right where you're just where you're seeing everything somehow in some way whatever has happened in your brain you're seeing them through like these alien eyes or yeah. these new everything eyes seems, yeah and, and, and everything seems demented and seems deranged and seems surreal and i wonder is like does herzog just go through life like that i think herzog just goes through life like no that. i mean like, i think i think but it's also there's this there's the whole common phrase of too of like when you get old you essentially return to your infancy and sure. again it's it's that very similar thing where it's like it feels infant not in a way of like it simple but it feels like you're seeing mm. these things the first time and herzog is so good at making things seem yes. like that but also that yes. like you said perhaps he feels that way perhaps he's able to just see the awe and the complexity uh, in every single thing that he sees thank you for using that word thank you for using that word because it's like i'd be remiss if i didn't you know because i think you know i've been using strange demented deranged and and these are words that herzog uses but i really do feel like what i experience when i when i see these things through herzog's eyes and these films is and i it's what he's shooting for and i think he achieves it so often uh, and it makes it so different than so many other films is mm-hmm. aesthetic awe, aesthetic awe, aesthetic truth. And it's so important. And it's, you know, that's the difference. You know, I, I equated it to watching this this Belushi biopic. You know, I watched right after this one. And that's absolutely what was completely and totally missing from the the Belushi bio. And it's not that his life wasn't without profound aesthetic awe there of course there was everything has that within it but this film failed to bring that out yeah this film does not fail to bring that out and it's really just extraordinary um you know there's some some landscapes and scenes specifically like the um the ten thousand year old cave paintings with the hands and those 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 shots are just I, like just really spellbinding yeah oh, it just it, looks like this sea of of hands it's almost like flames made of hands rising into the sky or something just 
really extraordinary. Yeah, totally. It made, I mean, it, it looks like almost dreams. like yeah, it reminded me of that totally. But yeah. also, what was interesting about it too is that you know, just in terms of the art, some of the hands were outlines of hands. Some of the hands were you mm-hmm. know like painted hands slapped onto the it's wall. It's almost like, like it, it's almost like if you put your for those who haven't seen it, it's like if you were to put your hand down on a surface and you took a can of spray paint and yeah. you spray painted your hands and then took it away, it was the negative space. It were yeah. hands in negative space primarily. Yeah. It was, it's, I, there's just something, again, very Herzog, because he's, well, he's looked at things like that before, but but even yeah. then, you know, when we use the word very Herzog, we're describing, like, I, I'm describing his entire, just, the like, what's the essence of, and I know that he specifically says, like, he doesn't go out of his way to search for an aesthetic or something, but it c- very much comes naturally. Well, he doesn't because, go out again, of his way, right. And um, it's, it's, it's just the way interest. that he seems to look at the world. It's the same, it's the way that he seems to see yeah. You know, things around him operate and things around him exist. So, yeah. Well, and he searches it out. And I, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but I just think that, you know, in searching out the strange versus the beautiful, and, and that doesn't mean that they aren't, they can't be one and the same. And yeah. like yeah, the yeah. strange things can be beautiful. I mean, I want to, I want to, but I guess there's like a, uh, there's like a commonplace pedestrian beauty, right? Well, there's, there's, there's like the a postcard beauty, is... beauty. And then there's like a, it, 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 it's something that is truly arresting. It's why I almost use the word raw versus it's like there's a beauty in landscapes that people create and cinematographers create by shaping it mm-hmm. and by only shooting a certain portion of it or shooting it in sure, a certain right. way or whatever. Whereas Absolutely. what Herzog, Herzog kind of strips all of that decadence out of it and tries to remove the idea that it's being photographed or anything like that and just tries to get the most raw, real you know yeah not necessarily up close in a sense of like being close to it but up close in a sense of just emotionally just that that landscape like he's trying to almost replicate the landscape with the way that he uses the camera and and even just the moment when they're in the uk and he's got the drone flying over that mound um it's a really early human structure right um and like neolithic or something and um correct yes and he's going through this structure, but it's like the the drone is just like surrounding it, and then it pans up to the rest of the uh, the landscape, and then it goes back to this structure, and it's it's this really bizarre shot um, that really is just you know over some narration about the area, um, right? But again, even just in the way that he decides to shoot and present these different elements of all over the world is is very unique, but also uh, to me. Um, brings me closer makes me feel what that the the awe of being in that place's presence would be yeah because you and i you and i had both talked about you know we've both been at sites like that you know i've been i've been to newgrange in ireland which is uh, one of if not i mean it's older than the pyramids it Mm -hmm. is early 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 human um i guess structure you would call it um and uh this like just sense of profound connection to to ancestor through time this Mm -hmm. to know that you are in a place where i mean just just imagine the stories just this magnitude of story that exists emanating from this location and that's what i feel through you know when herzog's really firing in all cylinders and he does that a lot in this film that's the say that's the sense that i get that sense of awe and gravity and magnitude Mm -hmm. of 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 feeling the imminence of of story through this just this the ancestral connection to that place is so strong um 
And uh, it's just so different. It's just so different than, you know, just a pretty shot of a landscape, you know. <laughs> and it's almost why I, and it's, it, you know, it's really, it, it, I almost said this, you know, after every lesson that we, we went over uh, in our past episodes, I would be like, gosh, you know, I was really, you know, I learned this or I was inspired by that. And I really have to say, you know, I think you and I have talked about it before, not on the podcast, but outside of that, that, you know, traditionally in the past, I've not been a big landscape guy. I've always been much more intrigued by the human face, like both in my still photography and um, uh, in in moving pictures. And I really, I feel like have neglected the power and impact uh, that landscape can have. And I'm really going to go revisit that and really take a look at how I can more utilize some of these, these, I don't want to, there's not techniques, but utilize some of this power, I Mm -hmm. guess, if you Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, in, in my work moving forward, but I was really inspired by that. I had never really thought of landscapes in this way before. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I would recommend this movie to anybody. Yeah, um, I absolutely would. It. Yeah, well, I mean, on that note, I think we're, we're right at about uh, at time. Uh, I think we've covered, I mean, look, we could probably go on for another hour, but I think we've hit on most of the topics, uh, mm-hmm. the ideas that, that popped out to us in this film. Certainly doesn't mean that there aren't other ideas. There, there certainly are. But, uh, but I think we've just about done it, man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, Colin, as always, man, uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It was fantastic. I'm really excited about this being able to, you know, move past the uh, masterclass lessons. Not that I didn't love that, but it's fun to move on to some new things. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, just to kind of reiterate, we've got uh, interviews that we're lining up down the road. We'll continue to uh, to talk about, discuss more of Herzog's films, kind of use that as a jumping off point to discuss different filmmaking topics. So thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. And we will we will catch you next episode. Yeah, see you guys next episode. <laughs>